Crossover Podcast, the show where you get comics, pop culture, and sports, and it is pop culture time as we are back talking comic books and whatnot with the latest entrant into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I believe the 31st movie? 31? Are we at a 31? We're oh, over 30 for sure. 31 plate? Sure. Does that be appropriate? <laughs> yeah, 30, yeah, 31st film. That does make sense, yeah, based on the thing. Uh, we're talking Ant-Man and the Wasp, colon, Quantumania. Uh, I'm your host, as always, Matt Pierce, and uh, joining me today is Kevin Miller. How the heck are you, Kevin? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. <laughs> All right, so it's been a minute. Uh, we took a little bit of time off since the Super Bowl, had to wind down, had a, had a tremendous Super Bowl. Uh, this is really the first thing. It's been out for, for a minute now, and there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of consternation and, and opinions held on, uh, quantum mania. I'll just get this out of the way. Uh, <laughs> I don't understand the... Uh, it, it, I believe it is still currently the lowest-rated Marvel Cinematic Universe, according to Rotten Tomatoes, and the Rotten Tomatoes system is is flawed to within an inch of its life. But uh, the fact that it's below Eternals is is a travesty. Uh, this movie's not great, but it is to me the definition of uh, like a six and a half, seven out of ten. But it is it is nowhere near the the uh, uh, the the dregs. Uh, of the MCU, that is, say, the, the recent entries of Black Widow and uh, Eternals, which are, are just absolutely dreadful. This one will at least be okay in rewatch. It's not going to be great. Um, <laughs> the wife and I sat down recently, and, and like, I'm pretty sure I said, I, I might have said 6-5 for uh, Thor Love and Thunder. I might have to revisit that, because, like, it, I, I sat down, like, like the wife who, is, who has just been so busy with work and, and the kid and whatnot, and it's just not really had time to catch up on the MCU finally sat down mm-hmm. uh, sometime last week, Kevin. And she was like, let's try to do one of the comic book movies I haven't seen yet. And she doesn't care about order. So I was like, just here's the list of what you haven't seen. Pick one. And yep. she really liked Thor Ragnarok. I think it's her favorite entry in the MCU. So she's like, let's do love and thunder. And about 20 minutes in, she was like, this is dreadful. Can we watch something else? I have like one night to watch a movie, and I don't want to spend it watching oh, a, a really? bad film. Oh yeah, it, and like it is bad. Like it, it was like oh man, like that first that first half hour is 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 absolutely dreadful. Maybe that movie's worse than I thought it was because of because I did dig the last three minutes, and perhaps that's just me being a little bit of a girl dad. But uh, yeah, Thor: Love and Thunder is not going to age well. That is that is that is also. Dreadful, but we're not here to talk about those. We're talking about uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp: uh, Quantum Mania. What, what were your, uh, your your general feelings? Did you agree or or not with the uh, with the the Rotten Tomatoes rating of like forty seven or whatever the hell it is these days? Um, so I I think that my I don't know if my experience is unique necessarily, but it does have a a story associated with it. Which mm-hmm. is to say that uh, by the time uh, my wife and I were able to get to the theater to see it, it had already had its big box office drop, and we were mm-hmm. the, we were the only ones in the theater, um, mm-hmm. and so we were allowed to get a little rowdy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that sounds fun. There, there is, uh, I, I agree with you. Like on the whole, I think that this is probably going to end up being like you know around a seven for me. Mm-hmm. But we had so much fun. I was probably laughing through like forty percent of this movie, if not mm-hmm. like oh, like I'm gonna go ahead and get right into it because one hundred percent of the time that Modoc was on screen. <laughs> the Mo- you want to get into the Modoc of it all right now? Jenny okay. was losing her mind with laughter, like she could not breathe. <laughs> it was, and like here's the thing: all of the discourses. I don't know if you caught this on social media, but uh, uh, two or three days before, like let's say the Monday before the the film was to be uh, released uh, right before the midnight releases on Thursdays and whatnot. I'd say the Monday of that week, uh, so two or three weeks ago from when we're recording this, um, images leaked online. There, there were a couple uh, still images of, of MODOK. Mm-hmm. And by this time, we had already seen three or four days. It had already been three or four days of, oh, my God, this movie's like got a 55 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, people are already saying it's it's kind of a piece of crap. And then here's this still image of Modoc. And my thing was just like, 
Wait, yeah, granted, you say this still it's still image from like it's somebody taking a photograph of of uh, yeah. of Corey Stoll's face stretched apart. I guess we should say spoiler alert for Quantum Mania, but what the <laughs> fuck? Uh, of Corey Stoll's face stretched to be Modok. I I honestly couldn't even tell it was Corey Stoll from the no. still image. Uh, so, so when they, when they did that little reveal in the movies, I was like, oh, I guess that's kind of fun. Mm. Um, uh, it, it, I, but like people were already like, oh my God, it's a 50%. And if, and if you're not an MCU person and you see that shot of MODOK and the fact that it's got 55 and Rotten Tomatoes, you go right for the jugular. And at the same time, I was just like, it's fucking MODOK. <laughs> right? Like it, it MODOK, it, like for However long Modoc has been in the comic books, fifty-ish yep. years now, he's always been the like most ridiculous-looking character uh, of all time. Nearly sixty years for Modoc, by the way. Uh, just, like he just he always looks like it. Like, it, it just looks like it. the stupidest design ever. It always looks what? stupid. So the fact that people were like using it as a way to bash the film, I was like. It's fucking Modoc. Right? You're not taking like, this character seriously enough. No, like it's like it's the stupidest thing ever. And like it actually looked dope when they like when he had the like the, the shield like the like there was like a weird gold shield. Yeah, yeah uh, closed. The face plate. <laughs> yeah, the faceplate. I guess that's a great way of describing it. When he had the faceplate, uh, and and just I'm like, yeah, that looks like Modoc. And then it opened up, and it was just Corey Stoll's stretched yeah. face as the Darren Cross character. Face. I was like, Christ, that <laughs> looks so stupid. Uh, but and yeah, it does look stupid but again it's fucking modok man <laughs> like, yeah, how are you gonna shit. make that look cool <laughs> no it looks so stupid and then to show modok's ass <laughs> but yeah. i thought i just thought that was special <laughs> well, that's what i mean like like i i went into this and i'm like okay i've seen these still shots of modok like you know jenny who is you know at best has like a tepid relationship with like the mcu right mm-hmm. like she, it's a similar um story uh, as what you were telling you know um, her favorite is uh, Thor Ragnarok, which she loved, in, you know, mm-hmm. especially because of the inclusion of Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, she's like, yeah, I'll watch those movies with you because, like, regardless of whether they're, like, you know, amazing film or not, like, not everything's going to be a, you know, Captain America Winter Soldier, but you're always, no. you're generally always going to have a fun time, right? And so she went to see, like, Thor, right, uh, Love and Thunder with me and, you know, just to compare your situations as well. Because And she found it to be funny most of the time, but this movie, she was losing her mind. Because like, every, like, this movie is constant escalation. Yeah. Uh, you think you've seen the craziest shit, and then five minutes later, you're seeing even crazier shit. Like, I, I, I have a lot of good things to say about it because it felt very tightly paced you know it wasn't three hours it um yeah a tight two hours for this slow dumb periods that you wanted to miss like and it was very funny and possibly not intentionally but it was really Mm -hmm. funny (laughs) yeah there's a lot of unintentional comedy in this movie for for sure uh i i would say the biggest problem i i have two problems with this movie one is is not necessarily the movie's fault because it was more of a realization that i had and then um uh a a realization i had um the other one is the, the the biggest problem with this movie is i think it suffers from tonal whiplash Oh, where totally. yes, I, like I it just it, it, it just and, and like a- editing was not great in this film in certain scenes like um like the scene when when they uh it, there's a scene when, when they're when they when the the i don't i don't even know what you call them i guess they're rebels or whatever the quantum rebels or whatever are dragging um sure, yeah. scott lang and cassie to their thing and they're just chanting nonsense and oh, then there's yeah. a there's a quick cut to Cassie and she's got like blood in her mouth and she's like drink the goo and, and then it cuts back Dad, and Scott's like what? and she's like what and I'm like what the fuck is happening Did, I, like I literally oh, I thought, thought, thought we <laughs> I literally thought that we skipped the scene and it was it was just uh so yeah editing was bad this movie's got tonal whiplash because it, it, it reverts between like that and also like Jonathan Majors being like I'll kill Super you and your entire family thing. and ma- yeah and make you relive it over and over again and you're like Jesus Christ uh, but yeah it just uh, yeah it yeah it, it just go it, it it was just absolute tonal whiplash that's the that's the worst part of, of this I think um, well I, I my, my um, similar uh, point 
uh, is that I, I think that for introducing a character like Kang in a big way, you know, he's he's been on the season finale of Loki as, you know, he who remains. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like the big film introduction. And I feel like you almost do him dirty by putting him up against, you know, 75% of this movie is, is a comedy. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know that, you know, you put the fear into everybody that you're supposed to have of this character without him doing that tonal whiplash type stuff that you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Like it does, it does feel like it's, it's, it's trying to for for what is effectively a comedy movie to have this super serious character like at, at no point like you know i had to stop laughing to to attention to what was mm-hmm. happening for better or worse right and and i feel like it almost does a disservice to what i thought was a pretty awesome performance from jonathan majors <laughs> Uh, yeah, two things became wildly apparent to me watching this movie. Uh, one, it was already apparent, but this movie just hammered at home, is that uh, Jonathan Majors is a fucking movie star. Just like a, a capital M-O-V-I-E star. Mm. And the other thing, Paul Rudd, not a leading man. He's yeah. not a leading man. That's 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 just the reality of the situation. Paul Rudd is is not a leading man. He is best as a character actor who is is riffing off of other people. That's yeah. where he's at his best. Uh, like you think of his best performances, uh, just within the MCU. Like Ant Man one, he's not like yeah, it's he's technically the main character, but the people who are doing most of the heavy lifting in that movie are Michael Douglas, and then it or basically is is Michael Douglas, and then. Uh, he's able to kind of react to everything, and then the stuff with him and uh, Michael Pena and and David Dismalchin and Ti, right. all that stuff with them riffing off each other, so good. It's why the second Ant Man movie didn't really work for me because it's it, like they tried to make it Scott and Evangeline Lilly, and it didn't really work because Paul Rudd's not, he, like I said, he's not a leading man. And then same with this one where they they try to put it on him, and it's just like he's just he's just not a leading man. And you just think about like all of his best. You know, stuff is is him in like you know Anchorman yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, he's, him in he's... like an ensemble or a buddy comedy, yeah, something. Or like... it, just within the MCU, the best Ant Man parts are like Civil War and and Infinity War when, or not Infinity War, um, End Game uh, when he, you know, when they're all you know, just when when he's able to bounce off uh, off of everybody else and add to the scene. He's 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 such a great character actor that just needs like he's the guy who stands next to the guy and makes everybody else look better because of it including <laughs> yeah. himself he's not a he's, he's a not a leading <laughs> yeah he's not a leading man well i don't want to say sidekicks exclude i don't want to put that moniker on him but he's he's not a leading man i'm sorry that's 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 just it um all right sorry to paul rudd yeah well it's not like he's <laughs> I'm, he he's got a listener he's got more money than me he'll be fine uh <laughs> yeah it's it's I mean, this movie, there's there's a lot of fun stuff. I, I would say one thing that they've got to stop doing, and this just isn't on the MCU. This is on things in general. Um, the withholding of information by characters just to oh yeah have a plot going that's it, fine it, it, plot that, device is if everyone was uh you know open with each other that there would be no problem <laughs> yeah but it, it doesn't make sense for like like for for them to just be like why is janet van dyne withholding information about kang and it's like well because we got to have a movie and i'm like i'm sorry yeah. we're 31 we're 31 deep this is the start of phase five you can't like Withholding information is great in a D and D campaign if you want to be if you want to make your campaign just a little yeah. bit more cinematic. It's not story there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not great in in movies like this because it just doesn't make uh, make sense. This is a pretty egregious version of it, and and like I'm willing to overlook the whole like continuity, like slight continuity error of her being like we can't go down to the thing or down to the quantum realm even though they were trying to go down to the quantum realm at the end of Ant-Man 2 and that led to the whole Scott's in the quantum realm while Thanos is doing you know his thing yeah. and that's why he didn't get blinked away and whatnot. so but, like I'm, I'm willing to overlook that is, is, is that their their um, take on the quantum realm is movie MacGuffin it can be whatever we need it to be for that particular movie like it is a it's a dangerous place between particles uh, that is absolute darkness in the first Ant-Man. In the second one, it's like this, you know, Technicolor 
uh, spacescape where it turns out Michelle Pfeiffer has been living for years. You Michelle know, then they, Pfeiffer. Then they use then they use it to time travel. <laughs> like what? <laughs> and now there's yeah. a whole civilization down there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like okay, so every movie it's something different then, huh? Okay, cool. Which I mean, it's fine. Like okay, but there there's a lot of um, the way I've seen it put before is you have when you're trying to uh, come up with like the inciting incident for like a story, you can expect people to take like one giant leap, but to ask them to take any more than that, it gets progressively more. Mm-hmm. Reachy. So when you have like this, like okay, well, the quantum realm is not what it's ever been before in any of the preceding three movies where we discussed it, and also it turns out that one of the characters has been, you know, lo- like you know, keeping secrets if not outright lying about it. Also, <laughs> yeah. So so it's not like a you know, oh, we had ways of uh, considering that this might be what happens. You know, a because one of the characters told us, or b because we've seen it before. We have neither going into this movie. Yeah, I mean it's 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 not it's not great. So it's, it's a little iconic, like right? <laughs> yeah, and in the worst way possible well, or, to do it it's too, right? yeah. and then which is would be fine on its own if it wasn't also like a contrived uh you know main character didn't tell us anything about it and is continuing to withhold information like two-thirds of the way into the movie <laughs> yeah it's it, it just you, you just can't do that anymore you can't have like it's just bad writing it's bad writing to have characters withhold information f- for the first like two acts of the film or whatever just yep. for the sake of being like, well, this is our movie now, and especially when you're doing an, 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 what is now a massive anthology, because we're and this is supposed to be the fa- the first film of Phase Five after most people weren't really stoked about Phase Four. Uh, yeah, and that's what I mean, and I, I think that's what I was talking about with the like Kang introduction earlier, right. where it feels like you need to have a steadier foundation than this, um, and I, I don't know that they pulled it off very well. Well, yeah, well, let's get into it. What did you think of the Kang of it all in this one? So this one, we get the version of Kang that I guess they're, I guess this is uh, supposed to be, the, like, officially Kang the Conqueror, uh, one of the many, uh, prob- probably the most used version of Kang uh, in all of comic book history. Um, Jonathan Majors not making his MCU debut technically, as he was in the... Uh, as you mentioned earlier, he was in the final episode of season two of Loki. But if you're not a follower of the television shows, uh, this is your first time. And this is supposed to be our, our, our next big bad for the foreseeable future. I don't know if he'll quite reach uh, Thanos levels or if he's just going to be basically like the phase five kind of uh, enemy before we, uh, we do something else. But he's going to be around for a little bit. Uh, what did you make of the Kang of it all in this one? Uh, I mean, we, we talked about his performance, uh, back when we did our, our Loki season one, uh, review and stuff like that. But, um, he's, like you said, he's, he's a powerhouse actor. He's super compelling Mm -hmm. in a, like, you know, uh, and and, as you mentioned, tons of whiplash watching this movie, you know, one scene I'm laughing my ass off at like the wild shit that's happening. The next scene, I'm like, I need to sit here totally silently and not blink and not miss a syllable of this man talking because I just need to hear him talk more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's very, very, ooh, I don't know. It, it, it was very heavy in a way that worked for me. A lot of gravitas, that's the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and And to have him be sort of this soft-spoken tyrant is uh, a fun character archetype we haven't seen in the mcu up to this point i believe to just be like yeah i conquered the quantum realm in the time it took you know michelle pfeiffer to betray me and escape um and uh and just anytime anyone's throwing a rebellion against him he just comes out and has a a quiet conversation with him in a way that is very menacing Mm -hmm. Uh, I, i i thought it was a great performance yeah yeah, he was he was really good. I don't know if we like they left it kind of ambiguous because uh, at the end he kind of gets sucked into uh, he kind of gets sucked into like even further, I guess, into the into the quantum realm or whatever based on uh, how the story goes progressively forward. Maybe Kang the Conqueror will come back. I don't know if it'll necessarily be necessary because uh, we we're about to meet you know we meet all of the numerous variants of 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 Kang at the, well, we, we basically meet like 
four of the big ones in the uh, the in the stinger credits, right? We uh, right. yeah, we meet uh, Rama Tut and uh, my favorite version, Immortus, and then uh, there was some uh, internet. Uh, speculation as to who the third one was some people thought it might be iron lad other people thought maybe scarlet centurion and it turned out i think kevin feige or peyton reed somebody admitted that uh, that third one was indeed the scarlet centurion and then we meet uh victor timely in the uh who is actually prime kang like the original like the the, the okay. first version of kang um in uh in uh, what is clearly a scene from one of the uh, from the upcoming season two of Loki, mm. uh, where Loki and Mobius are watching Victor Timely give a uh, a speech in like the twenties, uh, which is where he houses himself in the comic books. Um, so that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, that makes more sense to me now. <laughs> yeah, and we see yeah like yeah Victor Timely is the yeah he's he's Prime Kang, so we'll we'll. We'll see what they do with that, or if they make him Prime Kang, or, or whatever. I assume they did. Otherwise, why? What's the point of doing that? Okay. Uh, in credits, uh, yeah. And then, like I said, Immortus and the Scarlet Centurion. Uh, people thought, it, yeah, people were wondering if it was Iron Lad too, or the Scarlet Centurion. And I, Iron Lad is like the 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 good version of Kang that has like uh, that becomes like uh, uh, oh, Iron, yeah, Iron Man in the future and whatnot. It, 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 it's really, it, yeah, it's really. It's, it's it's fun. It was fun to see all that stuff at the end. Um, yeah, Jonathan Majors just commands the fucking screen. He was great. Uh, can't wait to watch him in Creed later. Creed three later on this week. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, oh yeah, jeez. Yeah, the the, the it's his year. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be his year. Basically, twenty twenty three is the year of Jonathan Majors. Uh, he's been fantastic forever. But yeah, I'm I'm glad to have him here. I'm not quite sure. If this was the setup I wanted for the guy that's supposed to be our big vicious bad uh, for yeah. the foreseeable future in this, I thought I thought they could have made it a little bit more. Um, they should have had they should have had him do they, they should have let him do something in this movie that was like either kill a character or do something because I mean like he literally says have I killed you before we you know we've all seen that. Yeah. Uh, you know how many Avengers I've killed? Yeah, and whatnot. And he's like, "Are you the one with the hammer?" Because I've killed the one with the hammer more times than I can remember. Basically, insinuating he's killed, you know, the Thunder God in seemingly infinite number of times. Mm-hmm. Yet he gets beat by a, I guess, an ant army. It's strange. I just, I, I thought, <laughs> I thought they, I thought they would have given him something bad to do in that. Like just it's something that would have made this movie had stakes. Cause I think ultimately that's my problem with this film is that at the end there weren't any stakes. Cause I was kind of hoping that, uh, when they did shove him into the thing that, you know, takes him even further down into the quantum realm or kills him or whatever they choose to say it does over the course of the next few minutes. Um, and it meant that portal closed, and then all of a sudden, uh, Scott Lang and uh, Hope Van Dyne were uh, trapped. I, like it looked like for a minute they were going to be trapped in the quantum realm. Right. And I was yeah. like, "Beautiful. Okay, that shows that there's some stakes and whatnot." Uh, Scott had Scott and, and Hope had to kind of sacrifice themselves so that he couldn't escape, and it was worth it to stop him from you know going and and, and starting a, a war across uh, infinite timelines. And I was like, all right, smart. But then he just kind of, but then Scott Lang just kind of goes, all right, let's get out of here. And they, they open yeah, up right. another portal and then he's, you know, eating crappy Baskin Robbins cake in the next scene <laughs> and back in San Francisco. And I was like, well, that was kind of shit. <laughs> right? Like I didn't really, yeah. Cause I, I got to tell you, Modoc dying in one of the funniest slash worst character development scenes that made literally no sense and was one of the worst parts of the movies that that exchange where she's like you don't have to be a dick anymore and he's like look at me i've always been a dick that was just so like hmm. that was really bad that that that, ex- that exchange of dialogue oh totally was <laughs> really really bad some of the worst dialogue in the mcu but it was kind of funny when <laughs> they're staring at cory Stoll's stretched face and he like gives him the weird hand and he's like oh, yeah. at least we were brothers and stuff and they're yeah. all just at least like, i died in Avenger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
was that was kind of funny but like the, the getting there was like that was a fucking jump you know <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, oh, didn't expect a modok redemption arc <laughs> yeah did not see that coming uh and it really and they didn't really pull it off either so we, didn't, <laughs> no, no. we so we so we technically didn't see it um uh, yeah it, it that that bit fell flat to me oh uh, yeah i just i just wish they would have let jonathan majors kill somebody and there were a lot of people that were uh speculating that uh paul rudd was was gonna die in this movie because it just just to establish kang's bona fides going into uh go, going forward was to, to have him take out an avenger or have and it looked like they were gonna do it at a couple points where scott was just gonna be like oh yeah Gotta like i thought he was i thought he was yeah like i thought he was gonna close the portal and then Kang, in a fit, was just going to, like, stomp him to death. And then we'd be like, holy shit, we lost Ant-Man, and now we got our big bad. But, you know, he, he did it to help everybody escape, and only they will know his sacrifice. And, you know, what a good piece of, uh, <laughs> what a good what a good piece of film that might have been. Well, I was, uh, expect- I was half expecting, like, you know, they have their happy ending, and it has, like, the, uh, the epilogue of him, like, happily slow- uh, strolling down the street again. And he has that like panic attack moment of like, oh my god, yeah, he said that something worse was coming, and he was gonna stop it. Like, then what did I do? Is this like, you know, what did, what, did I do the wrong thing? And did and, I really like, kill he kept him? Showing the yeah. reverse shot of like people slow mo walking by, and I thought like, you know, just a guy, you know, Jonathan Majors as just like a guy was gonna come out of a store and break his neck or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, Holy shit! Yeah, that like, bit was that's like, you know, the, the snap to credits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that 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 bit was kind of cheap too. Him just being like, "Oh my god, did all that stuff we did in the <laughs> during the climax was it actually good?" You yeah. know, that was. He's like, that nah, was, it's probably fine." He's <laughs> probably fine. It. Yeah, that was that was kind of cheap. Um, let's talk about the Evangeline Lily of it all. She did not get a lot of screen time, and it's clear oh. that what she is doing slash saying slash believing off screen is very much affecting. Uh, her bag, and I don't know, maybe, yeah, STFU. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. I'm mad about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 strange. And she had that awful haircut. I don't know if that was her choice or <sighs> somebody was like, "Hey, this would be funny." <laughs> right? like, it's it's disturbingly close to my mom's haircut. <laughs> and some women can pull it off. Evangeline <laughs> Lilly. Not one of them. Sorry, oh, and I'm, I'm, sorry. and I'm, and I am not a person who should be who, who who should be giving out fashion tips. But when I notice something ain't working, you know it's bad. <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's what I'll say. Um, yeah, she really didn't get a lot to do. Uh, so much to the point there. I thought it was funny that during the Modoc death scene, she was she was like Darren. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess she hasn't seen him yet. Cause yeah, she's the, been... the the recurring bit of everyone being like, what happened to you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, that was pretty good though. That was probably her finest moment in the movie. Was her going Darren <laughs> after you're like, oh yeah, I guess these two haven't crossed paths yeah. just yet. Like, oh hey, hope I like the new yeah. hair. <laughs> yeah, but it was just funny though because like he like. Because uh, she's in the fucking title, like this is technically Ant Man oh, and the yeah. Wasp: uh, Colon Quantum Mania, like I said, and she's barely in her own fucking movie. Uh, now, does Ant Man and the Wasp refer to Michelle Pfeiffer? <laughs> fair. Also, it could have been uh, because it's it been definitely well. more her movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely more Michelle Pfeiffer. She's she's the best part of this movie. The the weird sexual tension between her and. Uh, uh, and Jonathan Majors was palpable, uh, oh, and th- that's that was easily the best scene in the movie. Quite frankly, was the the stuff when when she finally when her character finally does be like, all right, I guess I'll explain the plot of this movie finally. Uh, uh, the back, and, uh, back flashback. Yeah, and then the flashback to him and her in the uh, in the quantum realm trying to repair his ship. I think that's legitimately the strongest part of the movie. I, and then I'd be right now. Yeah, and then he like. You know, she seizes, like, she puts the thing in, and for some reason the ship, like, accesses his memories, and she's able to see him destroy, like, you know, infinite worlds, and she's like, crap. <laughs> Just basically... What have know, I done? She's like, what have I done? And then, you know, destroys the thing, and then he goes... She's like, you know, once you have your power, what are you going to do? And he stands up and just goes, win. And I'm like, yeah. ooh, that's good. Uh, yeah, that was easily the strongest part of the movie, I thought, was that uh, like uh, five to ten minute uh, sequence of, of those two just basically doing the like 
um, uh, Matt Damon and the Martian thing where they're like, well, we're stuck here. What are we going to do? Science the shit out of it. <laughs> you know, that, that was basically it, right? Uh, but, you know, on a comic book level. That 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 was really good. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, very, very strong in this movie, even though I hate the fact that her character had to do the whole, I'm not going to say anything for the first two acts because... You know, that way we can have a movie, and it just... Yeah, but, uh, I'm trying to protect you. Yeah, but other than that, she she was absolutely excellent in this in this movie. Um, Michael Douglas, good, but kind of a sideshow. They didn't really give him much to do other than, like, hey, drive the ship, and then at the end show up with the ant army, and I guess, I guess he was, like, the, the deus ex machina of this movie. Is he, he shows up with the ant army, and they... Uh, uh, they overthrow Kang and help the rebellion and whatnot. Yep. Um, where did you stand on the Catherine Newton of it all and Cassie Lang? Because I'll be honest, a lot of her stuff didn't work for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I agree. It, it was fine. It was middle of the road for me. It was. Uh, you know, I'm not walking away thinking, you know, wow, the MCU has a bright new star. <laughs> I, I, I don't know this actress from before this. Um, no, it, it wasn't the same girl, I don't think, um, that had a couple scenes in Endgame, right? I don't think, yeah. I think it was, yeah, it was somebody else. They, or no, she's, I agree, she's new. I don't, I don't know why they didn't keep the other girl or, or if they just needed somebody for that one shot, right? Or, or I don't know the story behind it, but there have been multiple people now that have played um, uh, Cassie Lang. Mm. Yeah, uh, I I don't know. Forgettable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Bill Murray shows up in this movie. Uh, I couldn't find out if Lord Kryler is a character. That was not a name that, that rang a particular bell with me. Mm. Um, okay. In the, uh, yeah, that, that was not a... Uh, yeah, that was not a character who rang a particular bell with me. And I, I tried to see... I couldn't find anything specifically, but if, you know, hit me up on... on uh, you know, the, the Twitter for the, uh, you know, DM me on Twitter at Empire six is the, uh, a Twitter account of the show. If, if you, you have official Lord Kryler, uh, I, I couldn't tell. I mean, it was kind of fun to see Bill Murray there and he was doing the thing, but I was just like, you know, they should, like if Bill Murray was on set longer than three hours, I will be fucking stunned. <laughs> oh, was, totally. yeah. Right. It, it was, it was kind it was of a nothing role. Very gimmicky. Yeah, one of the cameras they had on him made him look like he was like he had done like um, like filmed extra scenes or reshot scenes or something like it looked at more green screeny than the other camera <laughs> angle on him. Maybe mm-hmm. that was just me. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I kind of expected him to be a character that stuck around longer than that scene, if I'm being honest. Like, I mean, I, I obviously I'm so far out of the, knowing anything about the source material at this point in the MCU. Um, but, uh, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe this is a character who's like, you know, I'm the toady, I'm the, I'm the mayor of Quantum Town, and, you know, Kang's the real power behind the scenes, but I'm the, I'm the friendly face on it, or something like that, like that type of character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he, uh, just gets eaten, and that's the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, I kind of thought there might be an arc here. <laughs> you know, yeah, should the... I destroy Michelle Pfeiffer, or should I, <laughs> you know, come to, you know, be like a, you know, uh, a third act rescue. Mm. And that, <laughs> like that's <a> solo type. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's one of the, uh, th- that's one of the worst parts of this film besides the, the, the biggest, uh, like the, the biggest, the, the biggest, you know, flashing Dirk Diggler, uh, lights, uh, glaring over the top, uh, red flag with this movie was no Michael Pena. That was the biggest flaw this movie had. I don't yeah. know. Cause David Desmolchin did, did a voice of one of the, uh, I think the goo guy that was like, I have holes or whatever, which yeah. I didn't, that, that bit didn't work for me whatsoever. Um, uh, I, I don't know why all of the CGI, the, all of the CGI guys, like if Desmolchin was doing one, they should have found a way to, uh, to get Michael Pena and TI to do, uh, you know, the, the voice of some oh, yeah. of the other faceless <laughs> CGI characters. That's, that's to me, uh, what they, they should have found a way to do that. Um, yeah, even if there's some like throwaway, like you know, laugh line, like "Oh, you guys yeah. remind me of some friends." Uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. Um, 
some of the uh, some of the jokes with William Jackson Harper as as, uh, as Quaz, some of that worked for me. But overall, I like, I like that. <laughs> yeah, so some of those jokes. Yeah, the, when he's like, "Stop thinking about it, please. Stop thinking. You're still doing it." You know, that was that was funny to me. Uh, but my God in heaven, all of the like rebel characters and the minor characters, Bill Murray included, mm-hmm. all of them just wildly underserved to the point where we're supposed to be like, "Oh my God, I guess the guy with the." giant light bulb head uh died and we're supposed to feel something oh no uh, right. yeah no, he have no lines what was his name i have no idea yeah i i don't know the only thing like literally the only thing i will remember about the rebels in this movie is that the woman who played gentora was fucking sliced holy god was she in incredible shape uh <laughs> like i was just like god damn i gotta get back in the lab she was just that was she was 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 fantastic and she was she was fine in in the limited amounts of dialogue nothing that and i'm looking up wikipedia right now not wikipedia imdb right now uh, apparently the woman who played her is named uh, katie o'brien uh she was was fine and it's not her fault because she was given like it's like hey minimal screen time and not great dialogue make this like rebel character make people kind of care about this rebel character mm. and so that that's more on the on the the, the writing slash direction of this movie than on her because yeah, i thought she I got, was awesome too like it yeah was, it was a fine enough performance for probably like the maybe what 12 lines of dialogue she had <laughs> yeah yeah she was she was the only one where i was like i do because she was playing gentora who is a uh a, a deep deep uh, quantum realm or like quantum realm character or microverse if you read comic books uh the she she's a microverse staple that's what um, i figured and maybe it was like the recency of it too but i was mm-hmm. very much reminded of um oh gosh like a the positioning of the character was very uh namora from uh mm-hmm. some black panther yeah. Like, here's this character who doesn't have a lot of dialogue, and I, I assume that this is a, a character that would be recognized from the comics, but, you know, we've got 12 other stars in this movie, and we can't really give them a ton of screen time. Yeah, like, uh, like, like, uh, Jen Tor is a character that's been around for, oh, she's, she has been around for years in the comic books. I, I want to say she's like a, uh, let me see if I can find it. I want to say she's from like the sixties. Like she, she's been around for 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 a long, long time. But she, she's like the queen of the microverse, right? Okay, okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, okay. So she, the premise here is that for this story, she's like already been overthrown. <laughs> yeah, which they don't really establish in this and in this one. And like her, and I'm pretty sure, like, because in the comic books, if I remember correctly, her and the Hulk have a thing. Cause she's, you know, green skinned in the comic book. So anytime okay. a green skin chick shows up in the, uh, in the comic books, it immediately, you know, she immediately becomes a, uh, a love interest for the Hulk. Uh, but you know, yeah, she's been around for, for, uh, for a long time. And, uh, for that character and and has a lot of really cool comic uh, comic book moments or not, not a lot but she has a, a fistful of really cool ones um to kind of make sure to kind of have yeah. her as i just would have liked to see them flesh it out uh i just yeah i would i would have rather have seen the uh dentora a little bit more fleshed out um and i'm actually uh getting a couple things mixed up here uh gentora has only been around for the last like 12-ish years uh her mother queen jarella who uh is from the original microverse stuff she's the one that's oh, been around okay. since yeah. she's the one that's been around since the 70s uh so i i got that uh, i got my character i got my micro i got my green microverse queens mixed up for a little bit there please <laughs> forgive me don't come at me internet <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah but the point is <laughs> the point is uh, Jarella and Gentora are, are really strong female characters that exist within the microverse. And fuck, it's like, <laughs> Katie O'Brien damn sure looks strong in this movie. Because as I mentioned, fucking sliced in this movie. <laughs> she was looked fantastic. Uh, definitely had that Marvel, Marvel bod, but uh, in the best possible way. Uh, respectfully, as the kids would say. And... Uh, yeah, I just wish they fleshed that one out a little bit. I, I just wish they took the time to um, 
to make us actually care about that that rebellion that was going on, other than just like, oh my god, Lightbulb Head died, apparently. Yeah, and... Broccoli Head is the first one to join them. Yeah, <laughs> that was fun, though, that the guy with the Broccoli Head. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I like that scene where they first arrived, and, and Michael Douglas is given the speech about, like, you know, how he never considered such a thing, and all the mm-hmm. implications it has on, like, their theories of evolution, and he's like, holy shit, that guy's got a Broccoli Head. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we've kind of been bagging on this movie. Let's talk about some of the things that we did. Like, um, I, I thought it was funny. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, like, clearly, I, I think that some, I, some of the comedy bits worked more for me than they did for you. Well, uh, Modoc's doing a lot of that. The the, the, the weird oh, stretchy sure. Darren Cross Darren Cross face, Corey Stoll's face is uh, yep. do, it was probably doing a lot of the heavy lifting as far as oh, funny. totally. Uh, yeah, like I said, I, I didn't know if Jenny was gonna be like, "What the fuck is up with that guy?" But her reaction was just pure joy. <laughs> like, yeah. It's hard to not find that infectious. <laughs> you know what I was weirdly thinking when Modoc did this? You know what would be a great way to do... I, it, it would only work right now, but you remember... And this is completely off topic, but you remember how... Um, you, you remember how... Uh, you watch Teen Titans, right? You remember how uh, Teen... A bit, yeah. No, but, you remember how te- but you remember how Teen Titans invented a character called Control Freak? Who was based off of neckbeard comic book fans? Yes. Who would and 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 Control Freak was meta, and and he would do things like you know uh, because he knew about comic books, he, he knew how to like defeat the Titans faster and stuff. Even though you know they would always beat him with hubris. And then there's this great episode in uh, Teen Titans Go where he he comes back and he's and he tries to make Teen Titans Go more like the original Teen Titans comic <laughs> book, right? Cuz he hates cuz he hates Teen Titans Go and yeah. he's speaking as the like you know, they use him as a way to you know, the writers use him as a way to make fun of the neckbeards that, you know, poke mm. holes at it. Oh, well, actually. <laughs> I was thinking if they used Mojo to do that and if they used like really bad CGI in the way they do it with Corey Stoll to make him look as ridiculous as possible because Mojo is just a ridiculous character. And okay. Mojo was like sitting in his uh, space uh, studio, his space like television studio, and was like watching all of the movies and going like, <laughs> you know, going like, hey man, what? Shang-Chi, what? You know, and just, you know, just, and, and was just complaining about everything that was going on in the in the MCU phase four and just being like, Black, Black Widow, what? she's dead. And then, and then like, we have a movie. Yeah, being like, oh, God, I could fix this. I could fix this. And then just being like, and then just using his, his like universal television powers to try to fix everything that the Nitbeards all complain. And then he just becomes the proxy for like, uh, for the neckbeards and, and just I don't know that that would be, it, kind, just, that'd be uh, kind of funny it, for they me. They kind of did that with the She-Hulk finale, actually. A little bit, yeah, but you know we could do it uh, better because yeah. <laughs> yeah, the She-Hulk finale because the She-Hulk finale was <laughs> disappointing. It was very, it was not good. It, it was not good. Um, but yeah, we could do that, but you know better and with Mojo because Mojo's hilarious and awesome. <laughs> but that, <laughs> uh, but that was just something that that was just me for, to borrow a wrestling term. That's me fantasy booking the MCU basically because uh, that that'll never happen. They haven't even introduced the goddamn X Men yet, and they're going to go with Mojo. <laughs> like, that would just be funny to me. Um, I will say, it's a gorgeous movie. Like and people harp on the MCU and you know I've I've come on this podcast with you and said like oh god another you know like my biggest problem with Shang Chi which I thought was you know a, a very fun film was they abandoned the the awesome father son story in that for in in lieu of punching a CGI monster that we didn't get that you know wasn't in the first three two and a half acts of the movie and it was like yeah it was just so unnecessary. Um, you know, so we so we harp on the MCU and this movie obviously because it takes place in the fucking microverse or the quantum realm or whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah. Obviously, that's going to call for a shitload of CGI. I thought everything. It's not shot on location. <laughs> no, it is precisely. If it's not in San Francisco, it's not shot on location. And even some of the San Francisco people on the internet are like, uh, are like. Uh, we're, we're, we're complaining about the, and again, I don't know because I've never been to San Francisco, although a, f- a very good friend of mine lives there. Uh, shout out Richard. And uh, he, uh, people were complaining, not him specifically, but some people from San Francisco were complaining that it was like, yeah, this isn't how San Francisco works. They just really, like the, the, the like Scott Lang going from 
uh, whatever prison he picked up Cassie to, to whatever part of uh, oh, sure. yeah. San Francisco. They're like, yeah, you would not take this route. They just wanted the gratuitous shot of the Golden Gate Bridge. So, yeah, so some of the San Francisco yes. people were, were just ro- were just rolling their eyes at that, right? And I'm like, yeah, I think it doesn't make sense. But, you know, if you're a local... I always, that... I always think of uh, Home Alone 2, where there's the montage of him, like, going, like, across every corner of New York City, presumably <laughs> just, in the afternoon. I've been to New York, and it's fucking huge, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, like, the commentary I heard once, where it's like, there's no cars on, like, the, the oh, one of the, whatever bridge it is when he's coming. Yeah, I think it's a I think it was the Brooklyn Bridge when he yeah. when he yeah the, yeah when he's got that uh, they have the big helicopter shot of Macaulay Culkin yeah, with, the yeah. head, with the head out the window yeah that's a great shot actually <laughs> yeah that, no traffic <laughs> yeah yeah there's like no traffic on whichever bridge I don't know if it's uh, Brooklyn or Washington or whatever but whichever bridge that is um, yeah it's a gorgeous looking movie I I thought like the background stuff looks looks great um, even when they're doing the, the giant like CGI um, war at the end all of that looks fantastic looks fantastic it's, it's uh, i will yeah. agree with you with a one caveat mm-hmm. uh which is to say that i think that for me and i had i had to sort of figure this out because i'm like why was this so, such so like difficult to understand what was happening um and i i think the reason is that there is so much fun in the first two ant-man movies mm-hmm. with seeing real life things that we recognize like buildings or you know vehicles thomas the tank engines or thomas the tank engine or pez dispensers and stuff Mm -hmm. like that where it's like when we see it big or small it adds kind of to the visual spectacle of it yeah whereas because this is sort of just like this like 3d uh eye image in the background a lot of the time here it's like okay well unless you tell me what's happening i don't know if these characters are supposed to be big or small that's fair Um, now there is a uh, where it got me back is there is a scene towards the end after the ants like all dog pile on to uh kang um possibly before that actually now that i think about it where the um the ant-man and the wasp and uh cassie are all like in their suits and they're all like three on one trying to beat the shit out of kang and they're getting big and they're getting small and they're coming up with these interesting combos and i thought that was a really cool three-on-one sort of fight scene at one point like giant scott like is just pounding him into the side of the building and all that i thought that was pretty cool <laughs> yeah uh, so largely i will agree with you that the, the visuals are actually pretty decent and i know that there's been some you know talk lately of like oh you know floating heimdall's son's head in uh oh, in awful. thor love and thunder and you know that some of the really cg terrible. and doctor strange and stuff like that it's been you know less than what we've come to expect um i thought this was a step up considering that like the whole everything is cg yeah <laughs> And we've, uh, and we've been reading articles about how overworked their graphics designers are and stuff like that. Exactly, and, and exactly, and how difficult it is to work for that uh, organization. But that particular uh, department, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was it was definitely uh, a step up. Um, I just wish that there was more of that. Like you know, it's it's more fun seeing things big and small when they're recognizable, I guess. And everything was totally alien in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it, there was a little, and, and you're, uh, it, it felt a little Star Trekky to me. You know, it was, oh, it was more. It, yeah, yeah it was, I, I 100% got Star Wars actually. Like it felt really? very close Eisley. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right because they went to more bars and stuff. I, I get, yeah, I guess some of the more like humor the weird based, aliens yeah. and like there's kind of like desert landscapes and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. It, it was. Um, Plus, it's yeah, very like, Rebels versus Empire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're very right. Um, I don't hate it. I mean, like they 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 made it their own in a way that was interesting. Like I like the giant flying manta ray things. I like the spaceships that you fly by putting your arms inside of like proboscises. <laughs> yeah, that was. And by the end of the movie, like funny. Michael Douglas is just like super comfortable with it. Like I'm driving, and he just like punches his arms into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that was lovely. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did we miss anything? Is there anything you want to? Uh... Any any other? Uh, just sort of my summing up thoughts. I mean, yeah. And we can score. We can sum it up. Um, I'm I'm happy to do so. Um, so as mentioned, like you know, this isn't going to crack a top ten for me. No, uh, not even in close. the MCU. Uh, as the kids would say, mid. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it. it I I will 
that said, I mean, there are movies that are on this echelon that I would like to rewatch less than I would like to rewatch this one. I thought I was, I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, I can't say that I'm super eager to ever go back to like Love and Thunder, for example. Uh, Certainly not. Like, I mean, that one was at least more fun than something like The Eternals. So, um, yeah. And and by the way, people on the internet uh, trying to do Eternals discourse, it's just, you're not smart. Like, like liking the Eternals doesn't make you smart or arty or it was a bad film. It's a bad movie. It was boring. And trying to go back and th- this this weird uh, subsection of the MCU fans who try to claim that like Iron Man three was actually good and Eternals is actually good. I just you're not. It's just this, these weird art house goons. I don't get it. They were they were bad films, and it's okay to admit that they were bad films. We were wrong in the moment about uh, Age of Ultron. People hated Age of Ultron, and Age of Ultron is not terrible. There's a couple of things I would change about that movie, but it's not terrible, and it's ultimately rewatchable. Uh, Iron Man 3 and yeah. fucking Eternals are not rewatchable, and I'm getting close to putting Love and Thunder on that <laughs> same pedestal, because Christ. I'd, I'd understand, but I mean, like, there, yeah. there's, there's things to enjoy in that movie where I think, like, Eternals is just a bunch of people being serious for two and a half hours, and I'm not really compelled by any <laughs> No, and none of them were interesting or acting well, <laughs> so... Like, like, if you're gonna be a... If you're gonna have, like, a, a kind of... I don't know how to put it. Like there, there's obviously things that are wrong with these movies that we've talked about. I don't think I could name one thing across like the last five Marvel movies that is consistently bothering me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? No. So, so it's hard to say things. like what they need to work on is this, and then everything will be better because I don't think it's one single big problem. I think it's a a, a you know a, a handful of smaller misfires. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and you know, that's fine because ultimately a lot of these movies are fun and I will definitely go back and laugh about this one, you know, possibly while on a jazz gummy, <laughs> you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> like I, I had, I had fun watching this movie, uh, with my wife and I, I imagine we'll have fun watching it again sometime. I am never going to make her watch the Eternals. <laughs> no, that's going to be so bad. Yeah. I would never, I exactly. I, my wife is never going to watch the Eternals. The only thing I can imagine is when my daughter gets old enough and wants to go through all of these uh eventually it'll be like oh god the fucking eternals yeah. <laughs> there are a couple that because they were recent on our rewatch that we did a few years back i didn't end up watching and so like there are a couple movies in the mcu and certainly more since phase four that mm-hmm. i've only seen once yeah like uh i never saw i never watched guardians of the galaxy 2 again Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I watched Captain Marvel again, and I didn't hate either of those movies. Like, yeah. I read Captain Marvel, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is a little shakier, but I mean, mm-hmm. it, 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 I put this kind of on the same level as that, which is to say, you know, it's not perfect, but there's a lot of fun to be had. 6-5 uh, for me, I think. 6-5 out of 10. 6-5 yeah. slash 7 out of 10 for me on this one is about, is about the... <laughs> I'll, I'll say 7 and I'll say 8 if you're in the right mood. <laughs> Yeah, it's about it's about where I'm living. Um, uh, what is up next? I think uh, movie wise, um, Guardians of the Galaxy three. I think so. Uh, yeah. Is out at the beginning of May, but I think we get one of the Netflix series or Netflix, one of the Disney Plus series. Uh, I think it's it's either Loki or Secret Invasion is up next. I think it's Secret Invasion, but don't quote me on that. Don't I remember this? Yeah. I'm, Definitely I'm pretty, Guardians is the next movie, but goddamn. Yeah, I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty, I, I did get uh, subjected to a trailer before seeing yeah, it for that. I'm yeah. sure as well. I'm pretty sure. No, actually, or maybe I did. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's Secret Invasion is up next. That's the next Disney Plus series. Did you uh, watch the first episode of The Mandalorian? Uh, not yet, actually. Not yet. Uh, Interesting. As you know, I've been busy. Uh, it is yeah, the fair. busiest week in my career. <laughs> yeah, it's tax season, baby. Yeah, um, sure. So that is that is something I plan to watch probably tomorrow morning, honestly. Yeah, uh, it, it's it is good. It's just good to have. It was very much because um, we're in. I think it's like chapter seventeen or whatever now. It, it was very much. I'll just. I won't spoiler spoil any specific details for you, but it was very much a table setting episode it's just like we're setting the table for the rest of the season it's like here's grogu here's uh here's din jaren 
uh, Mando, and uh, you know you're happy to see them again. You're gonna run into a couple of friends from the past, and we're just gonna set the uh, just gonna nicely set the table for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm here for it. I enjoy that show, and I'll look forward to watching another season of it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, any, it any is use. the uh, television year of uh, Pedro Pascal, so uh, yeah, Pedro's gets the uh, the big screen. <laughs> Are you watching The Last of Us? Uh, no, I haven't been. Uh, I, no. I've heard good things, but I mean, I never played the games. I don't know. That's, I have the first game on like I think the PlayStation Four or Five, one of them. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, and I played through like the first twenty minutes and then got distracted and never returned to it. And oh, I'm like, okay. I want and but like I did like it and I know it's like critically acclaimed and obviously uh, so much so that we have a television series that people seem to be losing their shit over. Uh, yeah, and I'm hearing a thing. So yeah, part of me that hasn't been burned by you know HBO in general before. I, I am curious, but I never did you get burned by HBO. Oh, I just those last few seasons of Game of Thrones just never set right. Oh God, yeah, that was. Ne- I I wouldn't. I I don't really want to put that on HBO because I'm pretty. I'm pretty no, sure no, the no, executives no. of HBO were saying they're going. Do you need more time and money? Because we can give you that. Yeah. <laughs> and and everybody was just kind of like, no, we don't want more time and money. We want to like the writers were like, what was it? D- uh, DB and Weiss were like, no, we want to go out of here and go play in a different sandbox. And I'm pretty sure every other fucking person involved in that show was like. Uh, you know what? I've already made my money on this show. I kind of don't want to be standing uh, in the freezing cold in Iceland at 4 o'clock in the goddamn morning anymore. So, yeah, everybody who was working on that show was ready to go the fuck home. And I think that was uh, was kind of what contributed to those, those crappy last two seasons. Uh yeah, because I was just thinking, what man? You have a problem with Oz? Oz was fucking awesome. You know, Oz, Oz kind of did the same thing with last last season and a bit of Oz was like, yeah, wasn't that great? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a good show. They should reboot Oz. Because uh, <laughs> they're gonna start rebooting shit. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so that is it for uh, our uh, review ish or whatever you want to call it of Ant Man and the Wasp: Colon Quantum Mania. Um, Crossover Podcast available at thecrossoverpodcast.com, facebook.com slash crossoverpodcast, and iTunes. Please rate and subscribe. Five stars only. Uh, we're also available on Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher, or pretty much any podcatcher that you happen to uh, be listening to. Please leave us a review on any anything you uh, you listen to us on. Uh, reviews help go a long way to boosting our, our stats and whatnot. Uh, when you leave um, a review, uh, leave a comment to tell us whether uh, Secret Invasion or Loki Season 2 is coming up first. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. I'm pretty sure it's Secret Invasion, but don't quote <laughs> me on that. Um, yeah, so that's it for this week. We'll be back uh, sometime next week. I don't know exactly what day, but uh, we'll be back on the other side. Uh, Craig's going to come on and we're going to talk uh, baseball futures, because the boys of summer are going to be back soon. Uh, they're going to be uh, uh Doing, uh, they got all sorts of fancy new rules in the MLB this year, Kevin, including a pitch clock. Have you seen the pitch clock? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Pitch clock, really? Yeah, yeah. They added a pitch clock, so when pitchers throw a pitch uh, and they get the ball back, they have twenty sec, fifteen or twenty seconds. I think it's fifteen. They got fifteen seconds to throw another pitch, and they are slicing off like they are legitimately and consistently slicing like twenty-five minutes to a half hour off of baseball games. Wow. Yeah, which yeah, I is... Could, I could see that. Is that the reason, or is it to, like... It's one of the many... Exciting. Well, I think it's just on... I legitimately just to, A, yeah, well, just to make it faster, because it's just... I mean, I, as an old-school baseball fan and as someone who used to pitch a little bit, um, love the thinking back and forth and the... Uh, and the, uh, you know, the chess match that is, you know, what the next pitch is going to be and what, what the batter's thinking and what the pitcher's thinking. But I get that that's not the best way to try to get new fans um, and specifically younger fans, especially when yeah. they get to the playoffs, especially when they get to the playoffs in baseball and games start at 830 and don't end till like after midnight. That's not a great way to bring in uh the younger generation, uh, you, you know, to, to, to make that's not a it's just not a good way to create uh, younger fans and uh, and younger and new fans in a new generation, um, especially because there's like nothing really ever happens on baseball that you can put on TikTok. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> what was it? Wandy Wandy Perez for the friggin uh, 
New York Yankees in spring training the other day threw a strikeout, uh, like struck out a guy on three pitches, and he needed 15 seconds total to strike the guy out on the three pitches. Oh, and it was like, yes, <laughs> keep this going. Right? Like, guys just being like, give me the ball, and then just like, you know, like getting back and then setting up and winding up. And, and I think, you know, it'll take the pitchers. I mean, you know, it was baseball's 162 games. Once I, I imagine there'll be a lot of silly stuff kind of happening and a lot of complaining in the first like 30. Oh, yeah. 50, 50 games ish, but then once the pitchers realize, I'm like, okay, I can do this and I can do that, and uh, I'll, I'll be able to, you know, I can do this to mess with the timing of the batter and stuff. Once they start figuring that yeah, stuff out, and, and <laughs> yeah, and also are you know taking far less time, um, I think I think it'll be great because, like I said, they're legit slicing like half hour off of baseball games, which is is just better for for the game going forward because you just can't have three and a half hour baseball games if like consistently especially when you're trying to like i said get a younger generation it's good it's good though and they got some they got some new rules that they're doing to try to make baseball a bit more appealing and fun um yeah that's it uh well yeah so craig and i'll be back uh next week sometime to come up with some baseball futures and whatnot try to give you some fun bets uh That is it. Take care, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time on the Crossover Podcast.